Well, uh, you could probably tell by my size and my build, but I played high school football. And if you know anything about football and its positions, you could probably guess which position I played. I was an offensive lineman. My job was to block for the quarterback when we're passing, to open up holes in the line of scrimmage so we can run the ball, to anticipate what the defense was going to do. Uh, I had the right combination of size and strength and quickness. I was pretty good. But there was a problem. My uh, high school graduating class had five other offensive linemen. And these guys were bigger, stronger, faster, quicker than me. I mean, they were all like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, another 40 pounds of muscle, and they can run faster than me. And because of this, I spent most of my high school football career riding the bench. Now, I saw some action. If someone was injured during a game, I was the first one off of the bench. Uh, I also played a vital role during practice as a member of the red shirt team, helping our offense prepare for the game. But for most of my high school football career, I was ignored. I was overlooked. And it didn't feel good. Nobody likes being ignored. And yet, it's a nearly universal human experience. Each of us could probably point to a time in our lives where we felt ignored, when we felt overlooked by someone. And equally so, I bet each one of us can remember a time in their lives when they were the ones ignoring someone else, when they were the ones doing the overlooking. Perhaps someone told you, hey, Hello, do you see me? I'm here. Why do we ignore things? What causes us to not see things or people, to overlook them, to look past them? These are the two questions at the heart of our gospel reading this morning from Matthew chapter 13. Here Jesus gives us three clusters of parables all about the kingdom of heaven. They tell us the character of the kingdom, its nature, but I believe they are also telling us something else. These parables are warnings. They're warnings about ignoring the kingdom. See, all people, even believers, even those who attend church regularly, are at risk of ignoring the kingdom, of missing it to our peril. And Jesus here in Matthew 13, he's trying to teach us how to recognize the kingdom. For if we know what to look for, we are less likely to ignore it. But before I jump into the parables in Matthew 13, I want to take a moment to define the kingdom. It's one of those churchy words that you hear all the time. It appears all throughout the Gospels, and in particular in the Gospel of Matthew. What is the kingdom? Simply put, I think the kingdom is the inbreaking of God's reign on the earth. I use this word inbreaking because God's reign happens suddenly, unexpectedly. No one sees it coming. It's like an invasion, 
It's like the God of the universe launching a preemptive strike into the evil of this world. Think about the Lord's Prayer. All of us know the Lord's Prayer. We say it every week. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This is the kingdom. Whenever we see God's reign at work, whenever we see the kingdom at work in this world, that is God's reign. So where does the church fit into this? Are the church and the kingdom the same thing? A lot of people think they are. They think it's a one-to-one correspondence. Wherever the church is, there the kingdom is. But this third parable in Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 47, kind of pushes against this idea. The kingdom is the fishing enterprise of God, and the church is the net in the parable. But not all those who are caught in the net will be saved. There will be a big sorting at the last day. Some will be thrown into containers because they're righteous, and some will be thrown out and burned. The kingdom and the church are not the same thing. It is possible for the church to miss the kingdom, to not be in step with the kingdom. This is what St. Augustine means when he says that the church is a corpus mixtum. It is a mixed body. The parable right before this in Matthew 13 talks about the kingdom being a field of wheat and weeds that the Lord grows up together and then sorts at the last day. So what is the role of the church in the kingdom? The church is the first fruits of the kingdom. The church is the place where the reign of God is most visible in this age. We are Christ's body. We are an agent of the kingdom, but our job is to be a witness to the kingdom. Whenever we see the reign of God at work in the world, we are supposed to point to it as the church to show others where the kingdom is. And here is the challenge of these parables. The kingdom is often hard to see. And because of that, the church can and does miss the kingdom. We point to things that we think are the reign of God, but they're actually not. This makes sense. The church is comprised of sinners. It has you and me in it. And as sinners, we're liable to miss the kingdom. It's very possible for us to think we see what God is doing and to be mistaken. In order for the church to be faithful to the kingdom, we first have to be trained how to see. And that is what's happening here in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is training us how to see the kingdom. He's training us how to see rightly. Because if we can see the kingdom and we know what to look for, we are less liable to ignore it, to overlook it, to miss it. This reminds me of the one and only time I went bird watching. Are there any birders here in the house? Someone? Some of y'all? At the time, I was living in uh, Western Maryland, and a friend of mine at church said, hey, Brian, you want to come uh, bird watching with me? And I was like, sure, never done that before, I'll check it out. So I got on all my outdoor gear, and we trekked off into the woods, went about a mile in. We found a really nice bush, uh, and, th- and then we squatted down behind the bush, and we waited, and we listened, and we watched, 
and we waited some more. I didn't know what we were waiting for. I couldn't see anything. But my friend, he knew what to look for. He knew how to see. He had his binoculars. He had his birding book that identified all the species. And he started noticing things. Look, there's a blue-footed robin. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't see any birds. That is an image of the kingdom. To see the kingdom, we have to be bird watchers. We have to wait, watch, know what to look for, know what to listen for. The fact is, friends, that most people who reject the gospel, most people who say no to God, who miss the kingdom, they're not doing it maliciously. It's almost accidental. It's harmless. They don't know what to look for. Those who are lost have not been trained how to see. So why is the kingdom so difficult to see? Let's look at these parables in closer detail. Open your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. I want to focus on um, the first two clusters of these parables uh, occurring in verse 31 through 33. I use this word cluster because Jesus gives us two images and they don't seem to be related at all. You can't really see how they're connected. But they are, and we have to kind of look and see what he's trying to get at here. In verse 31, Jesus tells us about mustard seeds and yeast, or leaven. Both of these are small things, things that are very easy to ignore. But both mustard seeds and yeast have enormous potential to grow. Mustard seeds become enormous plants. Yeast in three measures of flour is enough to feed 40 people for a few days. It's only a little bit of yeast, but it creates that much bread. This points us to the first reason that the kingdom is hard to see. It is a small thing with potential to grow. The kingdom begins with small acts of love, small acts of kindness to strangers, the little moments when we get to proclaim the gospel to our neighbors, the insignificant moments of faithfulness that no one sees. That's where the kingdom starts. Too often, though, Christians are interested in God moving in big ways. We want the revival. We want the mountaintop experience. We want the exponential growth. But the fact is, you're not going to have that kind of growth unless you start with the small things. You have to start with the small things of the kingdom. If you ignore those, there will not be revival. There cannot be a mountaintop. Think of the birds. Birds are really small. Many of them are camouflaged. They're really tough to see. If you didn't know what you were looking for, you would likely ignore it. You don't see the potential that they have. Let's look at these next cluster of parables, beginning with verse 44. In 44 through 46, Jesus gives us two more images. A hidden treasure in a field and a merchant of fine pearls. What's the connection? Both of these are, things are valuable but they are hidden in mundane or insignificant things, like a field or an ocean, something most people ignore, something most people see and don't think about. 
Well, I guess we don't see the ocean in Texas much, but fields we see all the time. In order to find the hidden treasure in these mundane things, you have to believe it exists. You have to pursue it unrelentingly. You have to have hope. In both these parables, the kingdom is compared to a seemingly worthless thing, but it's actually enormously invaluable. And herein lies the second reason the kingdom is hard to see. By the standards of the world, the kingdom is worthless or not worth very much. For those operating according to the economies of our culture, the kingdom is a bad investment. If I was a financial advisor, I'd tell you to put your money elsewhere. You have to give a lot of time, a lot of your talents, you have to give a lot of money, chasing after a hope with no promise of success. You can't see the signs of it. Living in the kingdom requires risk. And for many, this risk is just too much to bear. They don't want to be insecure. No wonder the kingdom is ignored. There's better things to do with your time and your money. More secure things. But perhaps the most challenging thing about verses 44 through 46 is this. That in order to live in the kingdom, we have to redefine our very concept of value. Here Jesus is giving us a different way to evaluate things. In God's economy, the value of a thing is often hidden. We can't see it at first. What would it look like for us to see our neighbor, our loved ones, our friends, as a hidden treasure? Something with enormous value that we don't always see all the time. What would it look like if we treated our enemies as fine pearls that we had to seek after with joy? In the kingdom, you don't always see the worth of something. Again, I think our bird-watching analogy is helpful. When I was in the bush squatting in the woods, a bird was a bird. They were all the same to me. I didn't see any value in specific birds, but my friend, he knew every bird's particular call. He knew their colors. He knew the species they were a part of, what they liked to feed on, when their migratory patterns happened and where they went. He saw the enormous value in these things that I saw that were basically insignificant. I didn't know how to see. I couldn't appreciate its hidden value and its beauty. That's the kingdom. But friends, we know that the kingdom of heaven is not ultimately about birds. The kingdom of heaven is about people. It's about us, you and me. See, God's reign is in breaking in this world. The kingdom has come. But that's not going to happen until his creatures submit themselves, themselves to his will. They acknowledge him as Lord. God created humans to take care of this world, to be stewards. But long ago, our parents decided to rebel, to reject this plan. We said no to God's kingdom, and as soon as we did that, each one of us started building our own little kingdoms where we were Lord. Ever since day one, that's what each one of us has been up to. Kingdoms of our own built on pride and vanity. And friends, this is the biggest obstacle to the kingdom, 
This is the main reason we ignore the kingdom of heaven. It's our own little kingdoms. The little kingdoms where we are Lord. We've placed our identities, our values, our vision in these kingdoms. We've made kingdoms in our own image. And part of the problem is our culture encourages this. We're encouraged to go on Facebook and make a page that has all the things we like and all the things we think are important, put pictures of ourselves up. That's all building our kingdom. And this is why the kingdom of heaven has to come like an invasion force. The kingdom of heaven comes and breaks through our little kingdoms, blows them up, wakes us up to the pride and vanity in our lives, and redirects us to what God is doing in this world. When we are in our own little kingdoms, we tend to ignore others. We tend to devalue people, to view others as small, because they don't fit into our idea of lordship. So I want to end this morning with a question to you. If the kingdom is all about people, and the biggest obstacle to the kingdom is each of our own little kingdoms, who are the people that you ignore? Who are the people in your life that are invaluable, small, not worth very much? The people who don't fit into our kingdom or don't submit to our lordship. Are they immigrants? Are they refugees? Are they liberals? Are they conservatives? Republicans or Democrats? Are they people younger than us? Or maybe people older than us? If we see these people from the perspective of our little kingdoms, they're not worth very much. They're small. Who cares? We will always dismiss them as worthless and insignificant. But if by the power of the cross, we allow the Lord Jesus to destroy our kingdoms, to break down the walls, to see the world from the perspective of God's kingdom, then the people we ignore suddenly become valuable, worth so much. This is how we learn to recognize the value of others. This is how we learn to see the kingdom of God at work and not ignore it. I remember my senior year, after a particularly long day of practice, I uh, decided to go talk to my coach. And uh, later that week, I had another tournament for a club I was involved in. You know, I wasn't really starting. I didn't get a lot of playing time. So I thought, might as well ask to skip practice. No big deal. I'm being ignored. I will never forget what my coach said to me. He looked at me and he said, Brian, you're a great kid. You're really smart. I'm really glad you're on your team. You have a valuable part to play, even if you don't start. Um, you work really hard. But you are going to do really great things, things that are much more important than football. So if you need to leave and do something else, that's totally fine. Just let me know. Thanks. I couldn't believe it. In that moment, I felt ignored, but then all of a sudden, I was seen. My coach saw me for who I was. 
I wasn't the kid who was too small or not fast enough or not valuable to the team, but I had enormous value that he saw in me. That is an image of the kingdom. That's what it looks like to see the reign of God. Church, the kingdom is a small thing. We must be careful not to miss it. The church of every age is tempted to ignore the kingdom, to take our little kingdoms and put them in the place of God's kingdom. We must ask him to teach us how to see. We must ask him uh, to show us what his kingdom looks like by reading the scriptures, by living with one another, by praying together. And we must always be on guard because the church in every age is tempted to take a kingdom constructed by man and make it the kingdom of heaven. Look to the cross. Look to God's kingdom, the small things, the insignificant things, the unvaluable things. And then we will be in step with the kingdom. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.